it's the whole thing of you have to get yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable. Just overcoming those interferers and just realizing, you know, if it's something that you think about daily, just do it because you're not doing yourself a service by not doing it. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Craft beer, travel, and adventure. It surprises me that we did not meet our guest that we have for you sooner than we actually met him in air quotes because ah, we haven't met him yet in person but we will be because I swear when we were talking to him I should say who he is huh probably so okay. yeah the anonymous person in question Michael Anderson <laughs> of traveling gatherings cool right like that yeah. n- that name but like when we talked to him let me set the scene real quick we kind of set the scene on the interview itself but we were in okay. Medellin um, and Michael was in Tucson, so he was in the RV in Tucson with his girlfriend, and we were in Medellin in an Airbnb. That would be um, a city in Colombia for people that don't know, because that's not exactly a super well-known place. True. So it's kind of <laughs> cool, though, when you like live on the road, whether you're living, you know, flying somewhere or overlanding or living in an RV, you know, traveling wherever you are, that you can via technological things and connections meet up with somebody technology yeah and (laughs) and like meet up with somebody and then just have this amazing conversation about like rving and traveling and craft beer and community and how actually that's kind of what we're talking to michael about is how he has created a business on the road to put all of those together um so people on the road don't feel like they're lonely and they can create a community. So he's got this uh, this event kind of website that he's built specifically for RV events. Sounds kind of funny because we have an RV event that fits right into that mold. So that's, actually, that's how we met him was th- through his his business picked up on our business, our other business, Camp Carpe Diem, that you guys have probably heard us talk, talk nonstop about for months <laughs> and years. Okay, but, that's awesome. Um, but it's a great fit. It's a magical fit between our two companies, and it was also a magical fit just talking to him because it's like he's it's one he's one of those people that I feel like I've known forever now, even though we've never even met in person yet. Yeah, but (laughs) wait, let me back up a bit. So because I think we were kind of uh, not very um, what's the word direct as to what he does. So Mm -hmm. basically, his company travelinggatherings.com. Um, is a compilation of all these different RV events that he's collected from all across the country, and it's in one spot. So you can go there and, like, search for different events and then either, you know, buy tickets or go or sign up. So that's why it fit perfectly with Camp Carpe Diem because, like, that's an event that we do. And so it's now on traveling gatherings along with farmer's markets and other, like, like escapees and escapers bashes. um, Yeah, it's not just like RV rally kind of things. There's a lot of just kind of cool things to do when you go to different places around the country. And he's just collated all that information. So it's easy to find in one spot. We talk a lot about finding community on the road because a lot of times when people embark on adventures like RVing across the country, you think you're going to be lonely or only stuck with your partner. 
if you're traveling with somebody, you know, which sometimes it's good to just be stuck with your partner, but sometimes you want to talk to other people. And yeah. so that's where this is good. So we do talk a lot about like finding community on the road, but we also talk about, you know, finding camp spots and how to find breweries and, you know, what kind of issues and bullshit happens when you're traveling in an RV because there's always a problem. And then, you know, I'll, we talk a lot about how do you like why actually why do you rv if there's problems <laughs> like finding the joy in rving too so it's it was really cool so for any um buddy who has traveled you'll relate and for any wannabe travelers this is worthwhile too because it get your get your ass moving and get your ass on the road okay and so since you just went on for the last two or three minutes or whatever it was about getting your ass on the road. I think it's time to get our ass into the podcast and actually let Michael talk a little bit and tell his story because I think people are wanting to hear what he has to say. Okay. Here's Michael. You ready? You're the starter. I'm the starter. (laughs) We are um, live, as live as you can be at a podcast. No, we're not live, but we're anyhow. We Memorex. Memorex. We are... um, (laughs) actually recording this in Medellin, Colombia, and we are here with Michael Anderson from Traveling Gatherings. So welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure podcast, where this is all about all those things, correct? Like, because you like beer too. I do. And travel and adventure. So it it freaking fits perfectly. But maybe to start off our conversation, um, we definitely want you to talk about Traveling Gatherings, because uh, that's a really cool little thing that you got going on here and it matches up really great with uh what we're doing with camp carpe diem but you know we'll talk about that in a minute but maybe kind of talk about since it is traveling right now and we are in Colombia, and where are you at right now i am currently in uh, congress arizona at an escapees park uh north ranch escapees park uh big plug for them um yeah and we're uh, traveling full-time uh trying to get out of arizona as soon as possible just because of the heat but yeah, we're uh, we're loving the life, and I wish I started this five years earlier. Well, speaking of five years, it's probably one of the reasons. Well, not one. It is one of the reasons why we're in Colombia now instead of in the United States because you, we, and I. I cannot speak today. Oh my gosh, because we've been in our RV traveling full time for five years, and it was just kind of getting to be the time to like, well, let's explore elsewhere outside of the country. And so that took us to doing some research to figure out where we want to go for a month that it had to be kind of inexpensive to get here as well as inexpensive to live here. And so Medellin kept popping up everywhere and it's been pretty cool to be in South America. So that's kind of why we're here, but we're still traveling full-time in the RV as well. Just did not ship our RV here. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) And not driving down through Latin America. No. Through the whole Central America and South, South America. No. Just not ready for that one. We'll leave that. <laughs> not in our rig anyway. We'll leave that to Eric and Brittany. Do you know them from um, Hourless Life? Yes, yes. I I think I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Chopping the world in their yeah Jeep, basically. So you, you're also a digital nomad. So tell us a little bit about your story and like what led you into that lifestyle and what it looks like for you. Yeah, you know, it started um, started at birth. I was raised by hippies uh, who we were kind of poor. Uh, so we did a lot of tent camping growing up. Um, then in 2019, I actually bought a shuttle bus that I completely converted uh, into a little tiny home on wheels. Um, and then I have always been a hospitality and event planner by trade, um, which kind of parlays into traveling gatherings. 
Um, but during COVID, um, much like everyone else in hospitality was furloughed. Um, and so my girlfriend and I, who she's also in hospitality, we went out on a, a three month road trip um, in the in the minibus just to see, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. However, it wasn't something she had any idea was even a thing. Um, so we kind of dipped our toes in it a little bit um, and then moved to Asheville, North Carolina uh, for a year uh, for a job for myself. Um, and then, you know, it was one of those things we were trying to buy a house um, at the height of the real estate boom and just everything, you know, interest rates were zero, but the inventory was super low and just out of a state of frustration, I turned on YouTube, which everyone does. Um, and I was like, you know, let's, let's revisit this idea of traveling. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be full-time, but it was something that we just wanted to, you know, we were just so frustrated and the housing market was so expensive that even at both of us at the top of the food chain, um, it was, I, I wasn't going to pay $3,000 a month in a mortgage. So I'm also cheap by nature growing up poor. It's like one of those where I'm like, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way. And, um, you know, and so we, uh, yeah, we just had this just pivot, uh, of let's stop trying to plant our roots and let's go explore the country. You know, uh, we absolutely love Asheville. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to live. However, it, there's such a huge country and we just hadn't seen, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that before we signed on to a 30 year commitment that where we were at was going to be something that we definitely wanted to be at. Now is Asheville a place we could live? Absolutely. Um, however, we found some other, other amazing places, Bisbee, Arizona, fell in love with it there. Ure, Colorado, fell in love with it there. Prescott, Arizona, love it there. Boise, Idaho. I mean, it's like, now how do I, would I buy things in all these places? No, because I have, I'm in my home right now. You know? <laughs> so we can just kind of cruise around and, you know, our, we set out for a year. We're on, I think month nine right now. Um, and then honestly, we just kind of over the last week realized that we're going to have to keep doing this because we haven't seen all the places we want to see yet. And, you know, unfortunately we, well, unfortunately that we started off traveling like every other day, um, when we started off just to get out of North Carolina and kind of work our way West. However, now it's like a minimum of seven days, anything short of that. And we're like, okay, we're moving way too fast. Um, and we're kind of thinking like, all right, we really need to spend at least a month in each place and slow down even more. So, um, yeah, it's just something that, you know, I absolutely love it. I'm getting to meet amazing other full-timers and, you know, just, it's been an amazing experience so far. Well, that's funny that you that you describe it that way, because I think that is um, I think a lot of people that are listening that are full time travelers or or at least significant time travelers have realized that same thing after a certain amount of time. It's the more you travel, the more you want to see. But you want to at least in our experience, it's more you want to like really get to know places, especially like you guys are kind of using your travels also as a search for do we want a, a home base somewhere at some point and we've we've come to that realization as well over time that yeah we do want a home base somewhere at some point we're not sure when yet either it's kind of open-ended but the more time you spend somewhere you get to really know a place and its people much more than just oh it's really nice like you go to Bisbee or you go to Ure and Asheville even and yeah it the immediacy of it has a has a big impact on what you think of it. And it's really cool. 
but what happens a month later after the newness has worn off, you know, and is, is it still that place that you want to be after an, after a month or two months that I think that's how you kind of start to get a more of a feel for maybe this is our, this is our place where we belong. <laughs> um, have you had much time so far? It sounds like you haven't really spent that much time in most places. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, the, we've been in Arizona. Um, I kind of put them together as like, we, we spent about two months in California, Southern California. Uh, we've been in Arizona since December um, and we're both Midwesterners. So we are craving trees and grass <laughs> and like rivers. Um, so we know that Arizona is a great place to visit. It's not where I'm going to settle down. You know, this isn't, you know, uh, sure land is cheap, but I also am used to waterfalls and, you know, and they have those here, but it's not as prevalent. So, you know, we definitely, um, yeah, definitely excited to see nature that's not brown and prickly. <laughs> you know? yeah. Where's your plans after Arizona then? Uh, you know, that changes hourly. Um, we're definitely headed back. Um, so my girlfriend, Andrew is from Michigan originally. I'm from Chicago. Um, so we're going to be spending the majority of the summer in the Midwest, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, my folks are now outside of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, just going to see family, you know, um, and that's going to be the summer. Uh, and then now the question is, do we follow the Mississippi up or do we cut up? Like she hasn't seen a Buffalo yet. So I'm like, and we have South Dakota plates and driver's license, but we've only <laughs> been to Sioux Falls. So I've personally been out and did Sturges uh, probably a decade ago now, but um, but it's like, you know, just to go see the, the West side of South Dakota and cut across versus the Mississippi. So there's, there's a romance in each. It just which one's going to be better. So we don't know, you know, but basically Michigan and Wisconsin and Illinois are our goals. So how do you choose, like, where do you want to go? Is it family first? Is it something that you really want to see? Like, is it Buffalo versus family? <laughs> well, we're definitely going to see family. So, you know, going back to hospitality, the one thing that we both suffered, you know, I, we both 20 plus years working in hospitality and that's it. from an event planner. She ran day spas. So every weekend, and in holiday, we've worked for the last 20 years. So we've missed out on all those weddings and birthdays and, you know, all that that stuff that people take for granted that, you know, our siblings are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to, you know, so a dog's first birthday. We're like, you're going to a dog's first birthday, really? You know, yeah. uh, it's going to like, I just can't take that time off. And if I if I can get time off, it's to spend Christmas, you know. Um, so family is definitely something that we have a high priority in trying to get to um and we definitely have weddings and things of that nature that we're going to that's why we're going back to the midwest as well but we also don't want to get there too quick i love my family but i don't want to spend three months with them you know <laughs> so I'm, I'm good for like a week you know and this i'm sure they'll listen to this and they'll be like michael um but you know it's uh it's it's getting to dedicate some time to them spending quality time and not rushing in seeing you know, 40 people all at once. I'm a good Catholic family. So there's not a couple of us. There's a lot of us that I have to try to cram in. Um, but yeah, but just trying to carve out that time because it's the first time we've ever been able to do it, you know? Yeah. So you've been traveling for only, well, this kind of segment of your trip, only like nine months, but in Correct. that, in for us, been doing it for five years, it's a small amount of time for people who have just started out on a check like this. It's a long time for traveling for nine months. But have you seen that 
it's easier to um, like maybe see other people that you haven't seen or to spend actually more quality time with them this way than as compared to, well, I get to see you maybe once every two years and I'll see you for a weekend, but then I got to go back home. Totally. And, you know, I, we've been able to, it's, it's amazing. It's like those Facebook friends that you never ever see. Right. So we actually get to come into their town. Um, and it, and it's even funny, like just, I posted something, this is right when we were in Colorado and I was like, I'm in, I don't even remember what town I was in now outside of Boulder somewhere. And I'm like, I'm in Boulder. And my friend from first grade, Brandon Murphy, it's like the funniest thing. I, my longest friend is like, dude, I live in that town. And I'm like, what? And so being able to just like, you know, connect and I haven't seen this guy in 10 years and it's like, holy cow, you know, he's doing awesome. And I just never would have been able to see him, you know, and we've like, I've got aunts and uncles all over the country um, that just being able to go see the family. I have a cousin who has reached out saying, I'm in Surprise, Arizona. I'll be in Wickenburg uh, today, actually. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, I did lie and say, oh, we're leaving because I I, haven't, I don't really know what the person is. They're my cousin, but whatever. Uh, you know, but there's, yeah, being able to, we're in LA and seeing a cousin I haven't seen uh, another cousin that I haven't seen in years and be able to go have dinner with them and yes see his house that he bought i was like you've been out here what two years he's like it's been 15 15 years you've never visited i'm like well here i am you know and just revisiting um some places that i, I flew a lot for work uh in my past life so you know just going like denver i've been in and out of a bunch but being able to like immerse myself there for a couple of weeks was amazing and just really once again just taking the slow approach as opposed to rushing through things is awesome and like wickenburg arizona I, it's such a cute little town, you know, could I live there? No, but it's something that I just really love that charm of that historic downtown and just seeing those places is awesome. So do you have any, <laughs> like people ask us all the time being on the road for five years, if we ever have any advice for people who want to start traveling now, because also a lot of questions we get now when we say that we're RVing, they're like, did you start that because of the pandemic? And yeah. we're like, no, we started long before and we've been ahead of the game. <laughs> But do you, like, I have some, it's really hard for us, or for me at least, to come up with pieces of advice because I think each person has their own kind of way of traveling. But do you have anything that you would say just within the nine months of doing this and other times that you've traveled, like how you would, yeah, what, what, what's what's like one of the main pieces of advice you'd give somebody I mean, who wants to do this? Well, you know, it, it's funny, my, my boss that I had in Chicago, um, when I bought the shuttle bus, they all thought I was crazy, but she actually recently reached out to me and was like, tell me more. <laughs> so my, my advice is just do it. You know, that's the, the biggest advice. And you guys know this better than anyone. I mean, every single day I'm fixing something on the RV. I mean, we're, you know, it's like, it's, it doesn't get easy. It's, it's definitely hard, but it's like, it's that it's the challenge that I personally wanted. So I think, you know, if you're tiptoeing around it, um, just do it. You know, it's, it's something that unless, you know, we're very fortunate. We're in our late forties. We've never had children. We have a dog. So there wasn't that thing tying us down. We didn't have that mortgage because we had just relocated um, and we're renting. So there wasn't a lot of risk involved aside from the biggest risk was what was going to be our next chapter in life. And that, that was the biggest, scariest thing, which I was self-employed for like 15 years. So I was like, yeah, bring it on. You know, my girlfriend, however, was always a company person. So there was a little bit of, a little bit of that challenge, but it's, it's just overcoming those interferes and just realizing, you know, if it's something that you think about daily, just do it. Cause you're not doing yourself a service by not doing it. 
um, and buy something, you know, one of the big things people make fun of us. We have a 2001 RV, it's a class A, but we paid cash. So we don't have that monthly tab on this thing. You know, it's, it's, and that was part of the objective too, was what was going to be our rent for a year in Asheville. We took that number. We're fortunate enough where we had that cash and we just paid for a year moving forward by buying this, you know, and, and looking fun. So it, it just really took the financial risk out of it because we don't have that monthly nut. So I would say, you know, whatever, whatever you can do to get rid of as much debt as possible. Um, that's a huge thing I tell people too, is, you know, just make sure you're not going out with 80 grand worth of debt. Cause it, it's still there. <laughs> and it just, it, it, it makes you have to work and do things that you don't necessarily want to do while traveling. You know, yeah. we, we want to go explore. Um, I say all this and I'm also like a workaholic. So I'm working on like five different things always. Uh, I'm a project guy, you know? So, um, but yeah, but just, you know, uh, just do it. That's my number one suggestion or recommendation. Anyone thinking about it is, uh, you know, if the longer you wait, the less likely you're going to be able to do those hikes. True. It's like you're, like you said, if you're thinking about it and on the edge of it, yeah, it might be a little uncomfortable and there's always something to fix or something to do, but there's always something to fix anywhere you are, whatever you have going on. It might be a little bit more so in an RV, however, but like even traveling overseas or anywhere like the, the kind of digital nomads that are traveling all around the globe it's the whole thing of you have to get yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable otherwise you are never going to do any of the things that you like are jealous of other people doing you're like right. i want to do that we'll do it <laughs> yeah Right. I take that risk. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of businesses and you mentioned like taking a risk and then the next chapter of your life. So that brings us to like, what are you doing for money? How do you afford this? Are you retired and rich and wealthy? And like, you know, yeah, my, uh, my modeling career is still pretty doing good. You know, I do a lot of hand modeling. <laughs> I'm joking, joking, of course. No, um, you know, we, I, I, so for finances, um, I am, I took during also during the pandemic, when I had all this time off, I did uh, take coding classes. So I went to a boot camp, and I, you know, just learning how to do website design specifically. Um, and I also uh, went to school for music. So I've always been in bands for my entire life. I was always the guy in the band who designed the website. So web development is something that's always been in the back of my mind, something I should do. Um, however, I've never had this challenge of like, you know, I, I know I don't want to go back to the corporate event planning. That was something that burnt out years ago. Um, and was doing no one any favors by still doing it. So reinventing myself um, as a web designer, as well as designing websites for myself, my own projects. Like I said, I'm a project person. I own a ton of .coms. Um, and now it's a matter of doing something with it. So um, that's been our biggest thing. Uh, uh, my girlfriend uh, during COVID also did um, manifestation coaching course. So she's certified in that. So she is currently doing uh, coaching, professional coaching, as well as health coaching, um, who she met, uh, Dave and Jacqueline um, Hudson from the Border Hookups. Uh, she does some health coaching uh, through them. And, you know, we're just kind of just taking a step back, you know, the the goal isn't how much money I can make. The goal is now, how can I help others? And, you know, because we have such a lower overhead, um, we're able to pick and choose what it is that we do. So, you know, for me personally, it's, uh, I love helping small businesses. I, you know, that I didn't realize what a passion I had for it. Um, 
and you know whatever I can do uh, to help a mom and pop who have a storefront but don't have any web presence, and they need to you know find out how do they make money on on the interwebs. Um, I'm there to help them. Uh, one of those projects that I'm doing is TravelingGatherings.com, which is something that I uh, created in September after only being on the road for like a month. Um, it was just something that I, you know, I had a dream. I, I literally woke up one morning and knew what it was going to be called, knew what it was going to do. And I, first thing I did is bought the .com and got to work on it. Um, not to say that that's going to pay my bills anytime soon, but it's a labor of love, you know? So that was something that I just, you know, we, I believe you, did you guys go to RV Entrepreneur? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, Okay, so we went to that was our first destination, um, aside from a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Uh, for a couple of that was kind of how what dictated our travels to begin with. Um, but we went to the one in September in uh, Montrose, um, that Joshua Sheehan, uh, moderated put together. And it was there that we met a bunch of full timers, met a bunch of the YouTubers that I watched, you know, to motivate me to get to where I am. Um, and everyone's talking about content creation and YouTube channels and this, that, and the other. And I realized I didn't want to do that. Um, I have a blog, but I didn't want to be on camera. You know, not that I am scared of it. I just know I've edited video and it's not something I want to do regularly. Um, so, you know, what was hanging out with a bunch of people and, uh, yeah, that night came up with this idea for traveling and started it. And I'm the only event listing website for our viewers. So it was just, I was like, you know, what's that missing link? Do we need, you know, should I do RV reviews? No, because there's like a thousand people have already done it. You know, what are all the things that everyone's already doing? I don't want to do that. You know, where's that, that where no one's doing it and it's event listings. So it pairs my RVing with my event background and uh, it gets me awesome people like you guys doing Camp Carver Diem, you know? Yeah. I, I love that story because it's also our story. It's it's like almost a mirror image because we first went to RVE with Heath and Alyssa Paget when they owned it a few years ago. It was our first trip with and, and full official our, trip with yeah, the RV. It was our first RV gathering kind of trip. And the first time we took our RV out for an extended trip. Before was, we first uh, went to a brewery though. So you first well, went to okay. a concert and then went to yes. We first took the RV to a brewery in Breckenridge. Broken, Broken Compass, of course. <laughs> and then our favorite. To, uh, <laughs> entrepreneur. Yeah. And the same thing. We met a lot of people doing content creation, a lot of people, you know, starting websites about RVing and things like that. And although we do content creation, we we also wanted to steer away kind of from telling people like reviewing RVs or telling them how to repair an RV and things like that, just because there were so many other people already doing it really well. And so it didn't fit our space. So it's really interesting to see how, how our paths have been very similar on that front. And I love that you came to founding traveling gatherings because that fits, although we don't do that, we do gatherings <laughs> for RVers. And so it's really cool how there's such a, uh, a, a symbiotic relationship that just folds totally. lifestyle. It's, it's incredible. Well, and that's the, the, the biggest challenges. And I also didn't want to make it specific to our viewers because, you know, and that's funny and you guys know this better than I do, but like your van lifers, your schoolies, your viewers, your car campers, they're all in different camps. You know, there's not that one. And you go to Facebook 
And there are events in all these different groups, but there was no centralized location for everybody. And that's where I came in because I, I love the schoolie. I am like, in fact, when a YouTuber that I, this guy Wanderboom, uh, Eric Wanderboom, uh, him and Robin, they're these amazing people. If it were not for his videos, I wouldn't have made my shuttle bus conversion. And he's got this awesome shuttle bus conversion. So that I love, I love the DIY aspect of it. And it's like, you know, how do you, you know, and they're no different than us. We're all crazy. We all live in vehicles. We're all living in this, you know, we're living this life that a lot of people would shame us and call us failures for, right? And, but we have this enormous backyard and we get to see things. And I, I say this all in jest, but, you know, it's just one of those where there just wasn't that centralized location for everyone. So, and, you know, I'm just trying to gather things that will make sense for everybody. And I didn't want to make it RV focused, didn't want to make it van life focused. You know, there are these little subgenres of it all, but just being the the one-stop shop for everybody. And you know, because we all, you know, we all need, we all need farmers markets. We all need, you know, the Albuquerque balloon show. Not that they need any publicity, but you know, just a place like you guys, you know, you you're having this awesome gathering in Montana. It's like, all right, so how do we get fellow nomads together and be that centralized location for that and that that's kind of what keeps me going is you know and i'm not trying to say like john q public over here and you know linda whatever i'm not trying to pair these people but here's a thing that you can go to where other like-minded people will be at so it's something that um yeah it's been great and just you know and and i think what you guys are doing is great too it's like you know combining these things that no one else is doing and that's that's makes us unique and that's what's going to let us keep growing as well you know and there there will be imitators but that's only you should be happy about that <laughs> right how do you find all the events that you have on your site like how do you gather that it's a painstaking process. Um, however, I, I everything is 100% manually added. So it is, you know, I, I looked at doing some algorithms and trying to shoot out and gather data um, by the push of a button. However, it was just pulling bad information. So it is 100% curated by me. So I dive in deep. I'm in every single Facebook group that, you know, and I, there's still some that I'm like, oh, I'm not a member of that one. Um, and I just, I, it's a lot of research I put in, I, you know, I, this may be an exaggeration, but a thousand hours on the site. I, I don't know. Um, we were outside of Moab right after I started this website and I did not see outside at all for like two weeks. I was just plugged in, just going, going, going. So it's something I'm over 700 events right now. Um, I would say 90% of those I found and added myself. Um, and then there's uh, about 10% of people who have found me and, you know, and through doing, I did a big press push and obviously podcasts and, you know, I've got my mailing list and things of that nature. Um, it's slowly growing, but yeah, it's, it's been a, an absolute labor of love and I had a lot of time in my hands. So I just did it. Um, that's something too, that, you know, give me a project, tell me I can't do it and it's done. So that's where I'm at. So if, if people have um, an event that they know of or want to share, they can easily reach out to you and say, hey, could you put this on your site? So, uh, yep. I think you had like, you even have like a button to submit events on your site, right? Correct. You like right on the homepage. It's real right. In, I'm pretty sure I saw that right in front of my face. Yep, totally. So you can, you know, and I, I encourage, you know, if it's a one-off, if it's like, hey, I saw in a Facebook group, there's this meetup then I'll add it. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of um, 
uh, event producers, if you will, uh, or planners for these sorts of events where I said, you know, look, I, I have this. It's 100% free to use, free to post. I'm not asking for any ad revenue. You know, this is, it is every single day I lose money on it, which is totally fine by me. Um, however, you know, I just to give them the control of the content that is on there and I'll go in and like kind of clean stuff up as needed for, uh, the back end. But, you know, it, it totally is, um, it's very easy to add listings as you guys know from adding and that's how I discovered you guys, you had a listing. I'm like, Oh, awesome. You know? Um, so it's just getting the word out and I've got a big push. You know, I did a, a twofold on this. I did a poll of my, uh, mailing list couple months ago now and just said you know what sort of events are you looking to see and the number one thing that popped up was like local small community sort of things you know if it's not an rv related rally rally or gathering they would rather go to you know main street usa you know uh, whatever for first of the month or whatever those you know very localized communities so i've also been spreading to every chamber of commerce um, in small town USA to say, I'm like, look, here's this thing. If you want people that is outside of your normal reach to come to your events, post on my event. There's 11 million RVers out there. So it's like, you know, here's a way that we can support the local economies in these small towns, which I absolutely love. I love Main Street USA. You give me like a little gazebo in the town square, <laughs> I'm hanging out. You know, I, I grew up a uh, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, there's a town called Woodstock, Illinois. And Woodstock is where, um, oh gosh, the Bill Murray, uh, where he wakes up every day. That's the same thing. Oh, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. It's where Groundhog Day was filmed, right? So that that was my stomping grounds in high school was yeah. that town square. And it's just, it's, you know, you can't take that charm away. You know, it's like, you know, sure, we weren't doing good things there in high school, but, you know, <laughs> going back, you see the, the opera house and all that, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. And just, you know, and being able to channel this all for good as well to, you know, once again, I love small businesses. How can I help small businesses? Let's get RVers and other digital nomads is a larger, you know, rallying cry behind it. Like, let's drive them to these small businesses that will help them. You know, like I, Amazon doesn't need our help, right? We, we give that to them daily, you know, it's like, right. but yeah. the, the local, the local brewery, what, you know, we love local breweries and it's why, because it's unique. It's, it's to that region. It's, you know, like down here, I'm seeing a lot of weird jalapeno loggers and it's like, why? Well, cause I'm in Arizona and, you know, going to New Mexico next. It's like, you know, you're just that the regional flavor I think is, um, it's just something I, I just am trying to do my best to push forward. No, I love that because, um, you know, our our thing is very much about community building. And that's very much what you are doing with traveling gatherings is building community for travelers and helping them find unique communities that are already out there that they can, you know, experience and get the taste of the flavor. Like we were talking in the beginning a lot of us are traveling around to experience these places we've maybe heard of, but never been. And and you mentioned a lot of great, unique little communities like Bisbee and Prescott and Ure and, you know, all these wonderful small communities that they really exist by, for the a large part of it is because outsiders like us, you know, travelers come in and spend some money there. And so this is another great way to not only get people together, but help you find those unique experiences in, in little towns and things like that. So, because 
a lot of people, I think, have this idea that's not true about how when you get on the road, you're going to be by yourself and you're going to miss your family and you're not going to be with people. And it's only going to be with the person you're traveling with or you're traveling by yourself. But in all honesty, the more you get out there and put yourself out there, the more you meet so many more people than you ever would by staying in your little house all closed in working. Like, but that's the thing too, is you have to put yourself out there because you can very easily, we've met a lot of people who get really lonely out on the road because they're, they don't put themselves out there. And I think a lot of times it's probably because they don't have a resource. They don't know how to put themselves out there or where to find the things they want to do. And, and they're just apprehensive. A lot of people are apprehensive about going out and finding those things on their own. And this is a great way to give them at least a tool to get there. No, totally. And that's, you know, and it's funny, we're in an RV park right now that is, we are just jammed together. And I love this place. We actually are probably going to come here next winter, but it's like, you're so close that and I find that the closer I am in proximity to my neighbor, the less likely I'll talk to them. And like, <laughs> here I am, I'm a, I will talk all day long, but like when we're out boondocking and I meet people and I have to walk like 300 yards to like wave those are the people I befriend. You know, it's like, cause we're like kind of that like-minded thing, but, um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, just, and that, that is the, the, also the thing, the advice to people who want to do this, it gets really lonely. My girlfriend and I and our dog, when we're out boondocking for a couple of weeks, the last thing we want to do is talk to each other. <laughs> so yeah. like, we, we've heard all those stories, you know, she's like, Oh, you're telling that one again, huh? And I'm like, oh, babe, but this one, I'm going to do it in a, a dialect, you know? <laughs> since we're talking about traveling in an rv what better way to entertain yourself while driving an rv than to listen to podcasts and you've got our podcasts obviously craft beer travel adventure but then there's other podcasts so are you ready to embark on an extraordinary adventure introducing the roads and stays podcast your ticket to discovering the wonders of the open road with special guest appearances from some of your favorite road trip enthusiasts. Join Jeremy Storton as he delves into captivating tales, breathtaking landscapes, and hidden gems alongside renowned guests like Less Junk More Journey, RV Life, You, Me, and the RV, and many more. These experienced travelers and fellow road lovers will share their insights, tips, and personal stories, making each episode a treasure trove of knowledge and inspiration. From tips on finding the best campsite to tales of unforgettable encounters, their wisdom will ignite your own wanderlust. So, fuel up your curiosity, pack your sense of adventure, and get ready to listen to the Roads and Stays podcast, where you are connected with road trip experts and travel enthusiasts who have explored every corner of this beautiful world. Now we bring you back to more of the same. Yeah, we've been together uh, 31 years. We've been together. Mm. And so, yes, when we're out boondocking you know in the middle of nowhere it's like we're not looking for a spot that is going to be oh romantic and alone and nobody else around we're looking for a spot that has oh there's like 10 other campers there and they look friendly because we want to talk to them <laughs> i don't need to talk to you <laughs> yeah look over that way they're sitting around the campfire drinking what looks like pretty good beer uh <laughs> yeah right 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 exactly. That's, exactly that's another reason why we like breweries too is we can go into a brewery and you sit at the bar the two of us together and then ultimately he's talking to whoever's next to him and i'm talking to whoever's next to me and we have these entirely different conversations going and i think we're getting better at veering off of our story and learning more about the local stories because it used to be oh you live in an rv oh my gosh tell you tell us about that so we're constantly telling our story about living in an rv and traveling and doing our business about beer and it 
it's kind of like I start hearing myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, all I'm doing is talking about myself. I want to hear your story. So then we actually have, I think we're getting better at just talking about that to the locals and then yeah. doing the same thing when we go back home. So our home is Denver area. So yeah. whenever we go back home, we go to the breweries that we love and we, there's always new breweries there. So we always try new breweries, but it's made me look differently as if I go to a brewery at home I actually do want to talk to the person next to me now because I want to know what they're here for, because maybe they're the traveling people that I never used to talk to at a brewery at home because breweries at home, you just go and you do your own thing. But when we're out and about, we ask a lot of questions and we don't know the area. So we get to know more people. And so I'm starting to do that more at home now. That's another reason to like breweries is just the community. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And we were at the uh, Tombstone uh, Brewery. Um, I'm, assuming it's called tombstone brewery i i don't remember right now um but it was you know by by and we we are like prior to us being on the road we are the people that sit at the bar and eat at the bar we are the bar sitters right that is we love that but we also don't go to many bars anymore because we're never near one and i'm not really good at drinking and driving it turns out so you know try try my best to be responsible um but it was through that that the bartender was like yeah tombstone is you know this and it's a great little town and they're like but if you guys really want to see unique you have to go to bisbee and i'm like everyone keeps talking about bisbee we're going to bisbee and it's because of a bartender that at a brewery that was like oh no no, no. you got to go to bisbee you guys are gonna love it and we're like great you know, and it, it's, yeah, it's finding that local flavor from your local bartender. Yeah. If, if there's anything to learn today, drink more at bars. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the bar and have your drink. So, yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. I mean, what do you think we're doing in Colombia? It's one of the oh, places yeah. we tried to find. Where are the breweries? Cerveceria Artisanal. And they're a little bit harder to find here because they're listed as breweries, but it turns out some of them we think are just like home brewers that... Mm don't have a tap room mm-hmm. but they distribute and so it's complicated because the maps don't follow along like it does so easy in well and even the the breweries that are listed that are, their name says brewery in it they're listed as just a bar or or a restaurant or something on like google maps or apple maps and things like that so it makes it a little you know back in in the united states we would like just google breweries or you know apple maps hit breweries near me whatever you know and they don't pull up as easily that way here, or you pull up somebody's house because uh, they're brewing that, beer in the house. That and could be fun though. It, it, yeah, that could be great if we could get in, but we haven't been able to get into any of those houses. But but there is there is a bar here called Foxy's Pub, which is a really cool little spot. It's a really fun model, which I would like to see this happen more in the United States, where there are want to say like six seven eight breweries all within this one space and they each have their own tap area they have their own little bar and their own taps but they all share one big common room and many of them just are basically glorified home brewers who that's their only tap room is they have this shared space where they put their six to ten beers on tap and you can dance around from one to the next to the next to the next and try all these different beers from all these different brewers who have nowhere else to sell their beer. That is, you know, my prior leaving Chicago, um, my office in Chicago was in the brewery district, like we're Goose Island, we're kind of the flagship there. Um, but we actually had a tap room open up like that. And it's kind of the, um, where you get your card or whatever, and you, it's all self-poured. 
so there was like that yeah that six to seven you know each wall was a different thing and then they would just have a representative from the brewery standing there and they'd say you know if you like a pecan porter try this one if you want you know whatever hazy whatever you know and we're able to kind of talk through the buying decision and then you know all the different glasswares all self-serve um really dangerous when i'm like i'm just gonna let traffic die down before i leave here you know and like a couple of like oh that was 12.8 or 12 abv like okay let's eat some pretzels um but you know i love that model and you know some friends of mine back home um they actually had opened uh called twisted hippo this amazing brewery and it uh caught fire and they completely lost their brewery and they had spent years and years you know building this thing up and Carl and Marilee, they turned to that tap room and said, can we have a wall? You know, because they, they had the know-how, they had a following, they just didn't have, it, it was gone, you know, and it was a horrible day for Chicago brewers specifically. Um, and now they're able to keep doing what they love as well as keep some money coming in because of places like that. So I love that business model as well. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's fantastic for small business. And I think it's fantastic for beer consumers that that like like us that are always like, I want to try that brewery. I want to go to the next brewery. I want to go to another brewery. I want to try their unique beers they make. It's like, yeah, it's just a fun model. Yeah. Speaking of beer, since we're on the subject of beers, and I know we were having like an email conversation, Mike, um, with Untapped and your brother and his ridiculous <laughs> amounts of untapped check-ins. What I was just curious about, like, do you have an opinion on Untapped, or is it a not to bust balls or anything like that? But so many people use Untapped, and it's a great resource. We like, don't want to bust balls because you know Untapped Untapped could be a good sponsor for either of us um, at yeah. some point. So let's don't bust too many balls. No, <laughs> not doing that at all. What I was right. trying to say is Untapped is a great resource because we use it when we write about beer too, and yeah, I want to know do. more about things. But it also is kind of like this. I know for me, it's a love-hate relationship because for you, you like to market on Untapped and rent the breweries. And I'm like, hello, I'm right here. Get off your fucking phone. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. So funny story about Untapped. My brother uh, went to, my brother created an animal, right? So he is a chemical engineer in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, he went to like college with someone who was one of the programmers behind untapped so he had kind of a first he knew about it pretty early that's my recollection of the story after we've been drinking a lot so he kind of started checking in beers then my aunt mary who's in her 60s she's a grandmother she had heard about this she loves beer good midwestern woman she said you know i'm going to try this untapped and i'm going to set a goal of 500 beers 500 unique beers in one year so that was what then kind of turned me into it. And fun side note about her 500 beers, she hit that by Memorial Day that year. So oh, then wow. she had to, yeah, because, you know, you go, you get a flight of beer, you, and it's not like these are full 12, 16 ounce pours. These are, you know, we, and she traveled a lot for work as well at the time as I did as well. So, you know, that was kind of a, when you're stuck in a hotel room at a conference, it's a fun scavenger hunt of like, let me find four or five local breweries and try out their beer. So her thousandth check-in was a PBR on New Year's Eve in Times Square, which I thought was hilarious. But That's... so with that said, then that got me into it. And also I, I had worked um, in a, with my events. I did a lot of whiskey events. So I worked specifically in brown liquor for probably about five years where I traveled around doing, um, it was like I TED Talks for single malt scotch, which 
oh boo hoo hoo what was me you know <laughs> maybe the best job i've ever had um but after you talk about scotch all day long all you want is a beer and so that kind of got me into the untapped um and i love it and uh when i was in wilmington for work i didn't realize that they had relocated to wilmington so like on the main drag in downtown historic wilmington is the untapped headquarters now um, and I think it's a great thing, but no, I, I think it's a great resource just having that, that crowd, you know, the crowd, uh, being able to, to, you know, give the ratings, um, you know, it is really helpful and saying like, you know, and also just the, the thrill of checking in things I've never had is super amazing. I actually checked for this, I'm at 1500 unique beers, which is not a lot. My brother recently did surpass 10,000 unique beers. Uh, he writes a pretty detailed review for every single one. So he's a complete nerd. He also has a great uh, Instagram handle. It's called Taps and Craps, where he uh, reviews brewery bathrooms. No, but I have been collecting photos and I want to call it like, uh, is the bathroom defined a brewery or bathroom brewery art? Because like, yeah, I take so many pictures of breweries, bathrooms. Yep. And there's some that are awesome and some that are like, you're like, you need someone to work on cleaning. Yes. Um, but no, it's, I, I think it's a great resource. And yeah, I, I think it, it, especially for you guys would be an awesome sponsor. I mean, it's such a great, it, it totally but ties in. I, I love Untap, And I honestly, my favorite thing about it isn't even the resource that it is as far as rating beers. And I mean, that's very helpful and it's useful to be able to find places and find what kind of beers different breweries have and things like that. But I love the social aspect of it too, where I've got a bunch of friends that, and, and some that I've only met once or twice maybe in person, but then we follow each other on untapped and we're just like, you know, um, just notifying each checking in with each other marking each other on untapped when we check in a beer and stuff. And it's like, oh, you're in so and so, especially when they're travelers, because you kind of know where they're at um, mm. by where they're checking in their beers from and stuff. And it's just kind of fun. It's another, for, as a beer geek, it's a fun He's way to, to socialize with fellow beer geeks, I guess. We'll be, we'll be spending a night in watching a movie or something like that. And all of a sudden he gets this notice and, um, you know, Jay or whoever checks in, he's like, ah, oh, dang it. And then he gets another notice. Son of a bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They'll check in like five beers in a row. And I'm like, man, I got to check in a beer. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, and it's, yeah. And it's, it, it, you know, at that point, it's not uh, a problem. It's research, you know? So it's mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're doing, you're doing, you know, good work. So don't, don't, you know, don't let name calling go your way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. My my mother who like will have one old style a night and that also tells us regionally where we're from. She'll have her one old style and be like, "Woo!" And she like looks at my brother and I like, "You two are luscious." And we're like, "No, we're we're doing research." <laughs> old style, yeah. That's I didn't even know for sure that they still made old style. So yeah, you're definitely <laughs> regionalizing yourself there. Illinois, Wisconsin. It is the it is the coarse light of. Uh, the Illinois and Wisconsin. No, it's funny that you say that though, because as we've traveled, we have discovered there's still, you know, regional beers was the thing a long time ago. That was kind of not really craft, but every region had beer because, you know, it wasn't easy to transport beer all across the country. And most breweries didn't have the means to start up a factory over here and over here and over here and, and have bases in three parts of the country. 
But now as we travel around, uh, like for instance, we were just spent a lot of time in Wisconsin and Michigan um, over this last summer. And I'm hearing these like blats and mm -hmm. we got to um, Shells, which has a uh, grain belt, which owns the yeah. grain brand now. And those are very regional beers that you just, you don't see hardly anywhere except within one or two surrounding states from where they're produced, which is, which is really fun. It's kind of cool that, to see that beer landscape over the years, how it evolves. But I had an opportunity to, uh, it, some event I did back in Chicago before I moved, I had, she is a beer historian and I got to sit through a beer luncheon with her. And I think it's Bass Beer was the first logo ever to be trademarked in the world. And okay. that it's kind of how beer dictates history, you know, dictated the time and just this this amazing history of beer specifically. And like even like Chekvar and Budweiser, you know, like that saga of them totally ripping off the brand, I think is, you know, Chekvar is actually drinkable or Budweiser, you know, whatever. Agreed. <laughs> cheap domestic you know as, as you like um but yeah just you know when i was over uh, overseas i'm like this is a really good beer why what happened to budweiser you know like, they sorry. dumped it down <laughs> yeah yeah took a good beer and dumbed it down <laughs> yeah right exactly. and you know what for some people it's the perfect beer so okay not right. me but <laughs> but if that's your jam you know like the pbr on new year's eve hey Every beer has its place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and after drinking a year of drinking like really good craft beer to make that her thousandth, I thought was oh, and yeah. it was like a tall boy in a brown bag, you know, which class it enough. <laughs> you know, it's it was probably very crowded and hard to get out to get more. So you have the tall boy, and it's good for hydration. Right. A lot of people there, you're probably sweating a lot. You need to hydrate. Exactly. <laughs> we talked when you were talking about how you're doing the scotch and you just needed a beer after doing all that scotch it's the mm -hmm. same with brewers i mean a ton of brewers when they drink all that craft beer and they're drinking the beer to taste it to analyze it to study it they just want like a generally it's like a pbr or miller high life mm -hmm. that's what they want or maybe a coors banquet yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. yeah kind of a palate cleanser you know for their all intents and purposes it's like i don't want to think about it anymore I just want to drink it and i just want to relax well, that was one of my favorite. Um, we would have these whiskey ambassadors that would get up and do the whole TED Talks. And this guy, Rick, would say, like, I need a canoe beer. And I'm like, what's a canoe beer? And he's like, I want something as close to water that keeps me out of it as possible after drinking like an 18-year-old single malt. And I'm like, oh, all right. But then it was like high life or something, you know? I'm like, really? Dude, you've got, you know. Anyway, oh, yeah. tangent. Or lawnmower beers. So we've heard them called too. Lawnmower yeah, beers. right. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a memorable brewery that you've traveled to throughout your travels or a memorable place that just kind of wants that just brings you back yeah you know i i was very fortunate to live in Asheville for that year um and honestly now that we've been on the road we just i the focus hasn't been as many breweries it's more you know like the harvest host situation or tombstone we were camped right there so we could walk to places um, but living in Asheville was tremendous because we we were Beer City prior to Grand Rapids taking it over and just having all of those at our, in my backyard, you know, um, and some of my favorites, like, have you guys spent time in Asheville? I should. Yeah, we have. Okay. Yeah, so Zillacoa was down there in that, Brevard. Say that again. Camp Carpe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in Brevard. Our last camp, Camp Carpe Diem was in Brevard, which is 
knocking on the door of Asheville, basically. So, yeah. And what's, is that Dale's, what, um, what's the brewery that's right there? In Oscar. Brevard, Oscar Blues is the big one. Oscar Blues, yep. And a bunch a, of smaller ones. Give a shout out to Noble Brow Brewing because they're another little one that's pretty popular in Brevard as well. Yeah, Noble that's Brown. just a small one. And Sierra Nevada has a massive, massive oh, outside of Asheville right there, which you probably went to if you were there for years. So. <laughs> yeah. No, and that was the Sierra Nevada was the Biltmore of Biltmore or, or the Biltmore of beer, I should say. Yeah, that place was monstrous and I absolutely loved it. Um, but there was this one called Zillicoa, which is north side of town. I uh, They have this rice pills, which I, after drinking all these beers at, you know, and I did events at all these breweries. So I, you know, brought corporate America to them. Um, it was funny to find one and have a beer that I, I, the next day woke up and was like, God, I want that beer again. And it was like, just so good. It was a rice pills, nothing, you know, nothing that exciting, but it was just like, everyone's trying to, you know, in the Funkatorium, uh, Wicked Weeds Funkatorium, like, everyone's trying to do these weird things, but sometimes just a drinkable one is kind of exciting. Um, so taking that back, uh, Funkatorium, uh, Wicked Weeds bathroom, speaking of bathrooms, is the best bathroom you'll ever be in in any brewery. It is um, day glow paint and black lights, and it is crazy trippy. It is like Willy Wonka on more acid, if that's a thing. Um, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal bathroom. Um, the brewery in Ure, which I, I think it's, once again, like Ure Brewing or whatever. The one with yeah. the rooftop. Sec- yes, yes. That was like that was after RVE. We spent a week in URA and just letting all the thoughts, like everything we learned just kind of sinking in by drinking a beer, staring at those mountains was like, you know, that experience was something that I will not forget. You know, it was just that I, I don't remember the beer, to be totally honest with you. And I think the bartender was kind of a jerk, but I think <laughs> I had the brown owl, whatever the brown owl was. Um, yeah, that was just this phenomenal. I, I just really took that away as something I really loved. Uh when I go to visit my brother is still um oh and I'm totally drawing a blank now. What's the huge brewery in Minneapolis that everyone oh uh, Surly? Surly, thank you. Surly, I think, have nailed it as far as dealing with large crowds. You get in the line for your beer as opposed to doing like 10 deep trying to get the bartender's attention. I think from an operation standpoint, absolutely love what they do there. Um, I wish more breweries would enact that where, you know, any other bar in any any town, USA, you, you get your sandwich all in to the bar. We're there. It's like a nice, neat line. They're they're uh, very polite uh, and also beautiful grounds there. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of other breweries. I mean, I can't remember all the you, ones I've been to. But. Okay, you've just like totally nailed the point of what I was struggling with because people ask us, and I'm sure they do to you all the time, and I find myself doing the same thing, which drives me crazy. What's your favorite brewery? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> My favorite? Like, yeah, that's impossible. No and then I find myself reiterating that to others. I was like, there's got to be another way or a better way to ask this question. And just saying, so when we wrote our, we do a year-end post every year about all of our places that we've been and numbers and things. And I turned the word favorite into memorable. And I was like, that is better. And the way you just defined it and answered those questions, especially like with Ure, the beer, you know, was good and it was okay. And the experience itself was what, whatever, whatever brought you to that place though, made it super memorable and something that you'd probably come back to because Ure Brewery is good. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny because the first place you mentioned was where we had our second annual Camp Carpe Diem. URA, the second place you mentioned, is where we had our first annual Camp Carpe Diem. 
And so oh, your was there too. And like, we took attendees there and it's great. And it's a good brewery. It's nothing. Yeah. The beer's, the beer's but, very good. It, it, there, there isn't a beer there to me that stands out as like, oh, you got to go there for this beer. You know, there's not an old Rasputin or, a, you know, Pliny the Elder or some, or a Heady Topper or some beer that people are like seeking out. But, but it's the, good beer and the atmosphere. Yeah, just, the place itself there is memorable and they've got that. So it was really, you just totally just cemented my whole idea of like, that's it. I'm done with the word favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And it's, yeah, it's the, and that's part of it too. I mean, it's hospitality, whether you like it or not. It's like, you know, we're taking, and obviously the, the experience on site is hospitality, taking it home something else. But the, you know, what is going to, how is it going to be memorable for good or for bad? You know, there's also been, I'm sure, plenty of bad experiences that are just kind of funny in hindsight where you're like, oh, that was totally sucked. But that is a good story. Like Brevard, actually, great story about Brevard. We, looking for homes, that was a town we went to and um, and also DuPont National Forest there and whatnot. But we had the worst Mexican food in the entire country in Brevard. And it's because I had heard that Steve Martin lived in Brevard or had a house at some point because of the music college there. So I was like, I got to find Steve Martin's house. That's a fun little thing. You mm -hmm. know, turns out he hasn't lived there in many years. Um, but then we found this Mexican restaurant and it was horrendous. And it was so bad that I still tell the story because I'm like, how do you mess up Mexican food? Like, it's my favorite. <laughs> if I had to eat one type of food the rest of my life, Mexican food hands down second sushi who knows but you know it's just like that that funny thing that those memorable experiences wasn't a good one but it was funny <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yep. yeah okay on that same note then memorable places that you've been to whether it's in your rv or just in past life traveling you know i i still i think you know memorable places quartzite is memorable um whether or not it's a positive memory um <laughs> It's something that I, I like anyone else. And once again, you guys have been on the road much longer. Um, Bob Wells is like the Santa Claus of nomads. And I've watched a ton of his videos and I've just heard all about Quartzite for a couple of years now. We went, um, we probably won't go back, but it was something that just to, to go experience it, I think was something that, you know, and, and we still stayed at some of the LTVAs and just kind of seeing the inner workings of that, I am super fascinated by. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those, like that little tent city, we needed to buy a dog leash. I left a dog leash sitting on a park bench somewhere because I'm an idiot. Um, and we roll in the little tent town of, you know, all the random pop-up vendors. And that was super memorable. Um, I ran into stepping out of my car, two people I know that I hadn't seen in like a decade, just in Quartzsite of all places. And it turns out a buddy of mine from, like I say, 10 years ago, last I heard he was in Florida, he's been living in his van since then. And he's also kind of nomad royalty. He was just actually featured on Bob's videos. And I'm like, how the heck, like in that town, you know, running into all these people, seeing some YouTubers that I just was like, oh, you're a real person. Cool. You know? Um, super memorable for good or for bad. Um, trying to think of, I mean, there's just so many, like every day there's something new. Oh, Mike, sorry, go ahead. Can you, for for our listeners who may not know what the hell Quartzite is, could you, in your like idea of it, could you kind of explain it a little bit? Quartzite is a dusty, uh, it is the epicenter. It is ground zero for nomads. It is, I, I got there a couple of weeks prior. We were down in Kofa, uh, boondocking with some friends there. 
so I, I went into Quartzsite probably three weeks to a month prior to the Big Ten show. Every year they do the Big Ten show, Quartzsite Big Ten show. It's got a big elaborate name. Um, and it's where if Quartzsite, the town itself, if you want to spend $15 for eggs, and this is pre like eggs going up, go to Quartzsite. It's, they, they specialize in that. Um, they have, it, it's just a place, it's boondocking galore. They do have RV parks. Um, I, a lot of them were empty while I was there. I mean, it was just, unless you need plugins, which we have solar and we don't really need them. Um, it is just the super fun desert hang. I mean, it's kind of the, you know, for however long you can tolerate being dirty and windy and, you know, and it was very cold and windy while we were there. Um, but yeah, it's ground zero for nomads. It's like, if you've never been, you gotta go. And that's why I went. Yeah. The first time we went there, it was probably our first year into RVing. And we heard about Quartzsite because everybody, when you move into a van, RV or school year, whatever, you hear about Quartzsite. It's on the border of like what, California and Arizona. Mm -hmm. And we got there and we were there when it. We were there at the end of October, beginning of November when nobody is there yet. And people that don't know Quartzsite, it's, it's like you said, dusty and everything. It's in the middle of the desert. It's. It in my mind, it's very much like Sturgis's to motorcycle rallies, where Sturgis yes. is nothing for eleven months out of the year, and then for about a month around the Sturgis bike rally, it becomes this thriving metropolis of hundreds of thousands of people coming into that town, nice. giving them all their business for the year. That's a good comparison. And Quartzsite is very similar, where about eight months, nine months out of the year, it's just a little ramshackle town in the middle of the Arizona desert. And then for about two to three months, there's a big RV show, a big gem show, and all these schoolies and vans and RVs and all kinds of traveling nomads just call, just but, come down on that town yeah. and turn but it into you're something. Right. If you have never been there as an RV or a traveler or anything like that, it's something that you do have to see once. I agree. I think you do. I, you're yeah. not, you're not going to miss out on everything. If you don't go, it's not the end of the world. However, it's just really it's a unique experience to see it all. It's like, yeah. wow. And I still think, so we recently installed a diesel heater in our RV to help with the winters. And so I went to their hardware store on numerous occasions. Best hardware store in the country is in Quartzsite. Uh, half of it is a super overpriced, like True Value Ace. The other half is a liquor store. So you can get a handle of whiskey and like hose clamps. And <laughs> it's, I'm just like, this you is genius. Those. Yeah, it, every time. You tandem. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. I can, you know, and every time I come back with like a box of screws, my girlfriend be like, "Why do you have all this liquor?" I'm like, "You don't understand. <laughs> like it's, this store is made for me." You know, like I, I love, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, and then with other um, other memorable places, you know, we uh, leaving Montrose, we we spent a lot of time in Colorado, which. I didn't anticipate, um, but the uh, right outside of Telluride, we found this amazing BLM, like little campground right on, I forget the name of the river, uh, but we ended up there for like 10 days or something. And it was something that we'd only planned to overnight and just was picturesque and beautiful and close enough to Telluride where we could go in, get our overpriced everything and then come back. 
Um, and also in Colorado, uh, there's this campground that I'm telling everyone about, and the campground does not care at all that I keep talking about them. They're like, whatever, you're annoying. Uh, but it's called Camp V in uh, uh, Vancorum, Colorado. And it's an old mining community that they took. It's like 40 or 50 acres. And they took all the old like managers dwellings and turned those into like Airbnb sort of like, you know, really funky, very Pinteresty, very themed, very like van life theme. Um, that's all the accommodations plus they have full hookup sites as well as uh, dry camping. But then they are also burners. So they have a bunch of uh, Burning Man art installations that they've installed all over the property. So you've got these like amazing art sculptures that like one is called the electric dandelion and it, it's this at night it is an amazing light show every single night right outside your rv that's like 50 bucks a night for full hookups which is pretty comparable to most places but then you get live amazing art so uh, just as far as memorable i tell everyone about this place and because they're van lifers here's my disparaging comment they're like whatever old guy you know <laughs> so, yeah. like you know <laughs> Oh, you're not a burner. You're not a, uh, you know, a burning man person. I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, don't be so um, judgy. That's what I'd be like. Don't be so judgy. You don't know. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I just, once again, I just. I know you're doing. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it is one of those places, though, that I'm like, and it's the same thing. We were going to be there just a night. We just wanted to hook up and dump tanks. Um, and then we ended up, I think we were like two or three nights and then before going on to Moab. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. But that's the joy of being on the road like that and not having to be anywhere. You can change your travel plans. Like earlier on in the podcast, you said it when I asked you, where are you going next? You're like, I don't know. It changes daily. Yep. People, we go to breweries all the time and we'll sit there, talk at the bar. And someone's like, after they hear our story, they're like, where are you staying? Don't know. We'll figure it out in an hour when we leave here. Mm -hmm. Which works in your favor sometimes. Cause sometimes they just say, oh, well, we have room here on the property. Why don't you just park here for the night? And then it's like, great, we can have two more beers <laughs> <laughs> and stumble exactly. out our home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our own way. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, also, but yeah, also but <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Well, and that's something too with uh, traveling gatherings that I just started adding a lot of like food and drink events as well. Is you know kind of the same thing. It's like you know, especially ones that you can camp at. I think is huge, and there's not a ton of say maybe. 15 or so on the site that you can actually camp on premise, but all your beer tastings and, you know, whiskey shows, wine, you know, things of that nature, not that I'm encouraging, you know, indulgence, but like, it's something that, you know, just to break up that, to give you an excuse to go to that place for that day, you know, if it's, let's try 40 different breweries. Um, I think that it's, it's warranted to being on there. I did get some pushback from a couple of people. They're like, it's not RV related. I'm like, yeah, but do you really want to talk about RVs 24 seven? I know I don't like, I don't care that much, you know? Um, and just to break it up and to, to have those, I think breweries are great parallels to traveling full time because there is a lot of great space, you know, and being able to park in that parking lot, harvest house as well. You know, it's, it, it all ties together. So that's my, that's all I and, I'm sorry. and for traveling gatherings, it's like, you're not just going specifically to the RV every time. It's like, why not? I mean, quartzite, for an example, is a great, a great example, um, because their gathering, their big gatherings happen every year for about two to three months. And one of the biggest gatherings there is a gem, a rock and gem show, which technically has nothing to do with RVing, except that it's in quartzite. And most people going to it are traveling in RVs and vans and stuff. But it's 
it's just a place for travelers to gather. And that's the same thing as a brewery or I don't know, whatever your jam is, you know, it could be maybe you're a foodie and you want to know all these, there's a food festival in so-and-so Idaho at this time of year, that might be a great place to go meet up with other people. And you know, I mean, it's whatever your thing is. Well, I'd imagine the reason for you doing traveling gatherings and the reason for us doing um, CCD or Camp Carpe Diem is, yeah, you're bringing together travelers. However, the purpose of that is to, yes, build the tribe. Because I noticed that's on your website too, is like, you know, building your tribe and bringing the tribe together and creating your tribe. But it's also, yep. <laughs> but it's also to get to know the community that you're in. So that's why for us, why we travel to different places every time. So like the first time, you know, the first time was in your way and we wanted people to get to know that community mm -hmm. and then people talk about it and always want to come back. And that's another thing that you're doing is you're bringing in business. Like you said, you're bringing in business to these smaller communities mm -hmm. and it's the same with Brevard. You're, you're there together, but you're exploring the community because you want to see, that's why you travel. You don't travel to stay in your RV mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Um, you travel to get to know the area and stuff that you do. And that's exactly what we want to do is you proved this earlier when you said you're outside of Moab saying that you worked for like weeks and didn't go out anywhere. RVers, entrepreneurs and RVers and people on the road, they know damn well how to work. They work hard. Yeah. And so you're in these beautiful places. That's the other goal for CCD is like to, okay, you know how to work. This is time to play. Yeah. So yeah. let's teach you how to remember how to play. Right. And it's the same thing. That's what you're building with your with traveling gatherings. Like, and that yeah. is another favorite memory, uh, favorite moment of what we do is like I I have this photo that was taken of me. I'm uh, we were just east of Phoenix in the Superstition Mountains, and I set up a little table outside with my laptop, and I'm just hanging out in the shade, and it's this gorgeous day, and I'm plugging away, and my girlfriend just snuck a shot of me, and I'm like this should be my LinkedIn picture. Like this is, this is everything. It's like, I'm outside staring at beautiful mountains, but I'm working my ass off, you know? And it's like, that's why I do this because I don't want to stare at, in a cubicle or whatever, you know, break free from the norm. It is so important. Well, and when you're, when you're done working or you're taking a break, if you take, you know, what, however long you're taking an hour, you can wander off right there. You're there in this beautiful space that you can just wander off for a little hike or maybe you're by a river you can jump in or whatever, you know, take your bike out on a ride. I mean, or maybe you're near a brewery and, you, I, you know, you go in and check that out. It's true. Whatever. However, I can say that's easier said than done because the second we go wandering off to do a bike ride or wandering off to jump in the river or wandering off to a brewery, uh, yeah, the day's done. I'm not working. It's hard anymore. to wander back to the, <laughs> back to the work you yeah. need to get done. Like, but, damn it, but, I need work. You know, and, and everybody has their own way of doing that you know i like we do our best to set up most of our work so that it can be very flexible so we can take advantage of those experiences and stuff that we want to but and you know there are other people that that want that you know they want certain hours they're working they want to work here to here and then everything else is playtime and that and that works you know you can you can do this lifestyle however you want for the most part as as what you were just talking about i i think today's gonna be a fun day now because i'm like <laughs> I'm just to talk, i want to drink beer i don't have a lot of beer in the house right now but uh and we're leaving tomorrow so there's that you know i should start probably packing up a little bit um but yeah no <laughs> but i well i always have i'm this this curiosity as to how um people on the road and even with breweries and brewers and brewery owners and all that people who are like really working hard or trying to find that balance of work, life play and all that. Like, how do you, do you see that you have it okay? Or are you struggling with it with 
because, you know, especially being an entrepreneur, you can kind of set your own time, but it's also like hard, like, well, I'm right here. I'm going to go play. I can work later. I, so I'm a firm believer in just blocking time for it. So traveling gatherings, I, I mean, I gave months of my life to get that up and running. Now that it's up and running, I honestly have scaled that back to just one day a week. Um, so that's something like Tuesdays are my traveling gathering day or whatever, you know, and it can be pushed as needed. Um, but I just, you know, I try to add 50 li listings a week, um, and then plan out two weeks of social media. Um, I'm currently two days without social media, which is totally my fault. Um, but then that frees up the rest of the week to plug and play as needed. Um, I currently started, so my last name is Anderson. So I've always kind of been known as that Anderson guy. Um, so I recently started a web design business where that's taking up two days of my week. You know, I totally segmented everything. And then I've got a day, like my Fridays are kind of my fun work on a new project days. Um, and then I always take Saturdays and Sundays off because after working all the time for corporate America, you don't get those anymore. Those are mine. Um, and, you know, we try to explore on a Saturday or whatever, but, you know, I, I honestly, unless I've got a client that needs like a new website right away, I'm, I'm honestly doing about 20 hours a week, very relaxed, zero stress. I have not set, I set an alarm once since July 1st of 2022. And that was so I could catch a flight, but we wake up with the sun, we go to bed at a reasonable hour. You know, we, that's the schedule that we've done. I woke up at seven o'clock this morning. My girlfriend had already closed her exercise ring uh, <laughs> this morning. And I'm like, what the hell? And she's like, cause it's 90 something today. So she's like, I'm getting up at six. I'm doing the walk, you know, getting the exercise so that she could, you know, lounge the rest of the day. Um, but that work-life balance is a key priority. And, you know, and I think, yeah, just I, I time time blocking works great for me. If I say Tuesdays from 10 to four or whatever, those are my days. That's my time to get traveling gatherings work done. I'm going to bust my butt for that because at four o'clock I'm done, you know, and like tomorrow, for instance, we're traveling. So that's going to mess up my schedule a little bit, but um, yeah, uh, I think it, it works awesome, you know, but you have to have, you have to have that uh, confidence in yourself that you're going to get that stuff done, which I think, you know, if it's like, hey, I want to go hike that trail, but I have to finish this first. It's a lot, of, a lot more motivating to knock off that to-do list prior to it. Like I know I suck at working at night. Like unless I'm doing something super creative, like the creative, I, I you know, have to be a certain mind uh, to do. But you know, once dinner hits, I'm there's no more work out of me. Like yeah. I, I'm really bad at replying to emails. I don't even want to look at emails. You know, um, and that's something that. I tried doing in corporate America and they didn't like that. <laughs> I, I had one company. Yeah, no, and my, I, sorry. And I, I you just cut me off again, but the, I remember interviewing for a company prior to leaving my last job in Asheville. They said, I have unlimited vacation. And I'm like, that's a cool <laughs> perk. I'm like, so, you know, tell me how that works. So like, you can take off as much time as you want. What an, a client emails you, you have to respond within 12 hours. And I'm like, so that's not a vacation at all. So you're telling me that I actually never get a vacation ever because I'm constantly under the constraints of a demanding client. I'm like, so whose job is it to train the client to learn to respect my time? And they're like, oh, no, we don't. That's not part of our company culture. And I'm like, OK, well, no, like you can't pay me enough to have a job that I'm tied to the desk all the time. Like I've been doing this too long. I'm too jaded. I'm Gen X. Like, don't don't tell me this stuff, you know, <laughs> like.
<laughs> do you think that is like your lifestyle from how you just are from we when you were young even or is just because you've gained some wisdom as you've gone through the years of the working world as far as just kind of setting goals and yeah like or... is, is that like when when you were younger getting a job and trying to figure out what you wanted to do you just kind of did what people told you and this is how it is so I'll, if i have to work monday through friday nine to five that's it if they're telling me that i have to do it this way and always be in touch with people then that's it do you think that's or was it your personality even back then you're like no this is I my think... I think, you know, by the the beginning of my working career, I was the worst. I was not someone you'd ever want to hire. I was a stoner. I was a drunk. I was, you know, I did all the bad stuff all the time. That was like my main motivation. And I also was a musician. So if it was not talking about music, I wanted nothing to do with it, uh, including like a job. But it turned out my landlord wanted to rent. So you do what you have to do. Um it wasn't until I started working for myself and I, I freelanced for, like I said, it was like 10 to 15 years. I really don't remember at this point, but that's when I was like, I got to get my shit together because, you know, if the phone doesn't ring anymore, then that that's, I am my brand. So I had to step it up. Um, I actually stepped away from freelancing to go back to work for someone because I felt like I had reached the, the height of what I could do on my own as a solopreneur, if you will. So that's when I went back to corporate America, which was an awesome kick in the gut that I needed because I was also a little, little jaded and I knew everything, you know, prior to then all of a sudden working for owners that actually were awesome. And like I working in events, I always work for like badass women owned companies and just having my old boss Shannon just be like, you're an asshole. Stop being an asshole. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You can't talk to me like that. And I'm like, Oh, I am an asshole. I'm sorry. You're actually really smart. And I'm an idiot, you know, like, and just kind of having that also really, I think, brought me up professionally as far as, you know, what, what my goals are. And, and I, I'm a firm believer of if we could all go to corporate America four days a week, 10 hours a day, if that is what needs to get done, if a 40 hour week needs to happen, three day weekends, I think are minimum for people. I think Europe is doing it right. And I just feel like, um, you know, working smarter, not harder, also as a self-employed person. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, you know, I also came from a union family, so treat your employees with respect and pay them well and give them proper time off um, is all important stuff. I don't know if that answered your question at all. Or if no, totally. Again, but... <laughs> It was great. Not a problem at all. <laughs> well, um, I guess I want to say like, so what's the best way for people to, whether they want web design from you or... <laughs> <laughs> to add a Every, yeah everything links back to my website so um traveling honestly is the uh the number one place to go um i'm on instagram facebook i tried tiktok turns out i'm not i'm too old uh i've you know you can find if you google traveling gatherings uh, there'll be a bunch of cdc things which I didn't realize that was gonna conflict with my uh the name that i chose um, but travelinggatherings.com, uh, Instagram and Facebook, I post five days a week, um, just kind of throwing out, it, they're just breadcrumbs. Here's things that are on my radar. Um, I don't produce any of these events. You guys are, you know, produce a great event. You know, I, I'm just, I'm a springboard for people that are doing cool things that RVers should know about. So go there. I'm not selling anything. I'm not, uh, 
I'm not really pushing much other than cool events to do. Um, I will be changing my find your tribe to find things to do because find your tribe also is the escapers thing, which I didn't know. Um, so um, yeah, go to travelinggatherings.com, sign up for the mailing list. Um, and yeah, we're going to just keep pushing. I do have another project that I'm going to sneak out on this. Uh, it's not done yet, but my love of small town America, my next project is called bestsmalltownsinamerica.com. And that is going to be the Wikipedia of small town America. So that is something that when I'm not working on all the other projects, I'm building that website currently. So I'm doing deep dives into, I think I've got about 40 small towns that I'm um, just, yeah, just creating blog posts and just what, why you should visit and why it's cool. Uh, so that's something that will be coming soon enough. That's cool. I like that. Looking forward to that one too. All right. All right. Well, well, keep it busy. Hopefully you still find time to get out there and enjoy the places and drink the beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Always time. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers. Cool. Yeah. Cheers, you guys. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Sorry yeah, if I ramble. That's how I roll. Oh, know. no. Absolutely. It's a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it was great. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, of course. Enjoy, y'all. So there was really a lot to wrap your head around in that podcast. <laughs> there was a lot in that interview going on. But you know, the one one of the things that really stood out to me is something that's very common and that's just the way people hit the road when they decide to do the RV thing. And this is, I think, at least with people we've come across a lot, true for whether it's in a van, in an RV, big RV, little RV, van, whatever, is that a lot of people go out with a plan to do this for a certain amount of time. Usually a year. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common thing is like, okay, we've saved up enough money or or we have kind of enough runway to make it work for a year or whatever, you know. And then it's like people get towards the end of that year and it's like, oh, hell no, I am not stopping this. A year is not enough time to explore all that there is to explore. Five years, which is what we're going on, is not enough time to explore all there is to explore. No, even in the United States, just, you know, even if you just travel mostly around the United States, I mean, that's what we've done for like five years. And of course, we dabbled into Mexico just a little bit and touched into Canada, but not even really explored those countries much. But the U.S. is so big that... Like, I feel like we could go another five years and not see everything Mm -hmm. and not do. And and we're not like big national park hounds or something like that, ticking off national parks or things like that. That's not really just what we want to do. But I mean, that's one thing you could spend years doing. And of course, we're spending our years trying to hit every single brewery in the United States. No, we're not. No, we're not doing that. There are 9,000 of them. We are hitting a lot of them. (laughs) I'm pretty sure we put a good bite out of the 10, 9, 10,000 of them. I like being, um, I like beer, but I also like being a little fit so I can like mountain bike and do all the things. And if I'm going to go hit 9,000 breweries, I'm not sure how that's going to go very well. So no, we're not. Well, that's actually one of the things we do too (laughs) is trying to hit a lot of mountain bike trails and get a little we still get a little snowboarding in here and there not as much as we used to when we were stationary in Colorado but but there you know, there's you, so much to do so yeah. much to see and so many great people out there like and reconnecting with a lot of the people that you lost connection with or or didn't know very well even and then you get to reconnect with them and find out wow why why were we not closer why were we not spending more time together but i find that really interesting you know that 
that somebody that people do that they go out with this time frame and then it becomes this different journey it morphs it's like i want to do it more because you realize there's all this stuff to see but also i think a lot of people we know and this isn't true for everybody but it's true for us and quite a few people we know that they also think okay there's still probably going to be an end an end game to this at one point where you're you're either going to stop or you're at least going to slow down and maybe you want a home base or some people are just going to settle down again eventually but some people maybe want to slow down and don't do the rv all the time it's like you might want a home base but that's where it gets fun because then you can play the game yeah because then it's like a lot of people like us don't want to necessarily settle back into the same place that they left like so, we left the Denver suburbs and it's like I don't want to live in a gigantic city anymore. So what game am I talking about playing? You're playing Where Can We Live? Would I live here? Would I live here? Would, Would I, I live, live there? Here? Would I live anywhere? And so you kind of start exploring with that in mind. So it adds another layer, but to me that just makes it all that much more fun cuz you know as you travel around exploring, you find all kinds of things you never knew existed or or thought would be out there and it leads you to find all kinds of cool people and cool things to do that's exactly what i was just thinking you can't see me listeners but i have my finger up in the air because i was just I like and and you find community that way and she's like a little kid like wait wait pick me pick me pick me my turn <laughs> and that's exactly why we created camp carpe diem and we talk a lot about camp carpe diem being like the coolest adult camp ever but in all reality, it's more about bringing community together and creating friendships that, um, you know, that could last a lifetime. So that's what Camp Carpe Diem is about. And that's why we're also grateful for Michael that he's out there just kind of advertising these events like that. And that brings all these travelers together because then you're not lonely on the road and yeah. you have a community because really what is life without people to share it with? Yeah. And that's all it really is, is because like when you're stationary in a, in a home, usually in your neighborhood and stuff like that, you or your city, wherever you're at, you kind of build a community around you and you can do that same thing on the road. Mm -hmm. It just it takes a little more effort. It's a little different, but it's also a lot more fun sometimes because you realize, oh, we're we're only three hours apart. We're only five hours apart. And when your life is on the road, being three hours apart or five hours apart or whatever it is is not that big a deal. And you're like, okay, we got to get together because there's no way we're going to get this close together and not go hang out. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So if you're going to be anywhere near around Montana in the fall or actually just make yourself anywhere near around Montana this fall, uh, Camp Carpe Diem, C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. It's also in the show notes. And then another way to, to build community, especially with us and our like, people that we have surrounded ourselves with and trying to find the breweries, which is also a great way to have community is by signing up for our newsletter. Yes, we have a newsletter and then you get craft beer guides and you get our stories behind the beer and you can just go to livingastoutlife.com, click the community and then you'll see the newsletter and sign up. You won't want to miss out on all the stuff we got going on. Right? True that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. We've thrown enough stuff at you, so. We should let you go. This was a long one. Thank you for hanging in there with us. We love you. Yeah, it got a little long because it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. So it didn't feel long. No. So, yeah. Um, buy us a beer. We can't leave without telling you to buy us a <laughs> beer because, you know, that's the whole thing that's, that works. Beer yeah. in hand, community, conversations, all that good yeah. shit. You can do that by just going to our podcast page on our website and just click on the button. Yep. All right. 
we with out. That, we say cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer, travel, and adventure lifestyle needs.